You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Some time ago, my father was dealing with some vertigo. And he explained to me what his physician explained to him. That there's some real tiny little hairs in his inner ear area. That if they shift just a little bit. It will throw you off balance. Anyone here ever dealt with vertigo? Just raise your hand. Yeah, I'm glad you're sitting right now. Okay, all right. And that's quite extraordinary, isn't it? That a little tiny hair hidden from sight can affect the body to that degree. This morning, I want to talk to you specifically about the body of Christ and how every part of the body of Christ is vital and it matters when it comes to abiding in Christ and advancing the gospel. So keeping that in mind as we continue our 12 Stones Initiative Sermon Series, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter. 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to walk through a large portion of this passage over the length of the sermon, but we're going to begin by just reading verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll read verses 4 through 7. When you find your place, if you are physically able, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, truth with no mixture of error. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. The Bible says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now look in verse 7. To each, if you're here this morning, you remember this church, you're an each. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we pause in this moment once again to praise your holy name. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of it all. 
And we count it a great privilege to gather on the Lord's Day. Week after week after week after week. To see each other's faces. To encourage one another. To love one another. To pray for one another. And then to come and fellowship around your word. Praising your name in song. And now opening our hearts with expectancy. Expecting you, the living God, to use your word applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit to change us. So, Father, have your way in this place. Give us understanding. And Lord, give us inclination to respond to what you show us. We love you, praise you, we need you. We offer you this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We have begun the 12 Stones Initiative. In the past couple of weeks, we have read Joshua chapter 4 and have been reminded that when God parted the water at the Jordan River, to allow his people, the nation of Israel, to cross over on dry ground, entering the promised land, that God called them to commemorate this event with 12 stones. One stone for each of the tribes of Israel. They were to get these stones out of the bed of the Jordan River as they crossed over that river on dry ground. And then they were to stack those stones as a monument to be a a reminder of what God had done supernaturally parting the water. We learned from this that God desires for His people to remember His power and to remember His grace for our good and for His glory. When we remember who God is and what God has done, it's good for us. It strengthens our faith and it honors God who has done great things. So based upon that that symbolism of the 12 stones, we have initiated the 12 stones focus. And this 12 stones initiative is designed to commemorate the work of God performed through His people who take steps of obedient faith. So we are... We are naming some goals, some some milestones as we seek to abide in Christ and advance the gospel, as we seek to make disciples, helping people to move along our discipleship path. We want to celebrate when we get to certain goals and, and just stop and say, look at what God has done. There are 12 goals corresponding to the 12 stones. And every time we reach one of these goals, we're going to take a literal stone and put it on the stage. And over time, by God's grace and for God's glory, we ought to see that stack of stones grow. So over the last two weeks, I share with you the first nine stones. Stone one, enter into strategic partnerships in all eight IMB affinities. That means we'll be working all around the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stone two, Plant a church directly from our church. Stone three, send out five short-term mission teams 
per year. Stone four give a quarter of a million dollars as a combined amount to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and McGuire State Mission offering, meaning that we're going to financially support missions in Florida and North America and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Stone five, we want to establish five gospel-centered community partnerships. Stone six, we want to baptize 100 people in a year. When we see 100 people baptized in a calendar year, we'll put a stone on the stage, as we will the rest of these stones when we meet those goals. Stone seven, we want to double our adult Bible studies. We have 12. We want to see the Lord get us to 24 adult Bible studies, meeting at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings on our campus. Stone 8, we want to see a fourth generation D group formed. We want to know that disciples are being made at that level. Stone 9, we want to reach 1,000 in worship attendance. When we have 1,000 people show up on our campus on a Sunday, we'll, we'll celebrate it with a stone and say, To God be the glory. That, that seems significant. 1,000 folks gathered here to worship King Jesus. And now we've made it to stone number 10. And stone number 10 is about service. Because if you remember the discipleship path, we want to see people saved and baptized. Then we want to see them connected in the body of Christ in a Bible study and then growing in a D group. But next comes serving and going. We believe that if people are growing in Jesus... Serving will be a natural step that they take. Serving in the body of Christ. And so here's stone number 10. And it's going to take me a little bit of time to unpack it. But stone number 10 is this. Enlist 300 people to complete our serve process. We, we had a little bit of a struggle figuring out how to set a goal when it comes to service and This was the way that we could set a tangible, measurable goal. But it's a big goal, and I'll explain to you why in just a moment. Enlisting 300 people to complete our serve process will get us to stone number 10. What I want to do is I want to give you three steps that are going to help us to reach this goal so we can put a stone on the stage. Step number one. We've got to recapture a biblical identity. Recapture a biblical identity. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's talking about people having a role in the body of Christ and exercising that role for the good of the body. The body there is a metaphor for the church of Jesus Christ. And the the parts of the body are those that are serving the body of Christ in different ways and means. But when I say recapture a biblical identity, we've got to understand what it means to be a servant. Now, I believe that something subtle has happened in American Christianity over the last three decades. I believe that the church has gotten caught up in consumerism. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. In our culture, there are billions of dollars spent every year 
so that we will consume certain goods and products so those providing the good and products can make money. And those providing the goods and products are advertising and marketing and promoting and catering to so that people will say, I want that thing or need that thing in my life. And the entire culture is built around consumerism. I mean, it used to be that the stores that you would go to would, would work to have a certain layout and a certain experience. So when you go into the store, it would be easy for you to find what you want to find and buy what you want to buy. It would be a pleasant environment while you're there. But now, you just pull it up on a screen and hit buy, and they'll bring it to your front door, Right? Making it easier and easier for us to consume things. It's just what it means to live in a prosperous nation like America. We are a nation of consumers. But what's happened is the church in America has gotten caught up in that. And in a very subtle way, no one is explicitly said, I'm going to be a consumer when it comes to Christianity. But in a very subtle way, over time, people treat church like any other thing they want in their life as a consumer. And they show up with their arms crossed and they say, what does this church have for me? Does it have what I want? Does it have what I perceive that I need? Does a preacher keep my attention? Are the songs along the line of my preferences? Hey, what about the looks? And what about the, the people I'm sitting around? And, 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 and people come, whether they want to admit it or not, with kind of a mental checklist... Saying, if this, if this church will meet the checklist, well then I might, I might show up a few more times and maybe one day even get serious about plugging in. And the church has responded to that mindset by trying to outdo each other in getting consumers' attention. Does that make sense? We want to we wanna shine brightly... So that when the consumer shows up with a checklist, we're saying, hey, we're the church for you. Look at how good we're doing. What happens, again, it's subtle. It's like the frog in the, the pot that's boil, it comes to a boil. The frog doesn't notice it first. But what happens over time is the church is trying to engage consumers... And it's lost its sense of focus on mission and truth. And people come to churches not to engage the living God. Not to place their lives in His hands and ask to be used by Him. People come to church saying, hey, do you meet my checklist? They come with a consumer mentality. 
But what does the Bible say about how we ought to identify as Christians? Well, over in the book of Romans, Philippians, and Titus, Paul, the apostle, begins those letters by calling himself a doulos, a bondservant, a slave. Paul, the apostle, says, here's my identity. I serve Jesus. That's how I want to be known. It wasn't just Paul. Over in the book of James, James starts the letter by calling himself a doulos, a slave, a bond servant. Over in 2 Peter, the apostle Peter calls himself a servant, a slave of Christ Jesus. The book of Jude. Jude uses the word bond servant. In Revelation, John who wrote uh, the book of Revelation is called a bond servant, a slave, a doulos. So these key leaders in the first century church were identified primarily as slaves of Jesus. Servants of Jesus. That word doulos, the Greek word, speaks of someone that has no rights of their own. They are totally committed to another. And Paul and Peter and James and Jude and John, they're saying, we have no rights of our own. We have no checklist. We are primarily about serving Jesus. That was their identity. So service, and this is in your notes, will be or become a priority if we view ourselves as bond servants, not consumers. We've got to shift our mindset. It's not about just the preacher getting up and saying, Hey, serve in the church. That's not what it's about. It's about you and I saying, Hey, if you want to know who I am in Christ, I'm a bond servant. That's who I am. But it's really hard, isn't it? When we're so caught up in a consumeristic culture. The other day, Claire asked me to run by the grocery store and pick up a box of plain Ritz crackers. Have you bought Ritz crackers lately? It took me like 10 minutes. There were honey wheat flavor, everything flavor, reduced fat flavor, low sodium flavor, uh, urban gar, I mean all these different flavors. And finally at the bottom over to the left, I found a box of just Original rich crackers. And I thought, goodness, do we need this many options for crackers? That's what our society has become. But don't let that consumerism become what your, become what your Christianity is about. It's not about getting what we want. To be a Christian means... Jesus is Lord. I'm his slave. I do what Jesus tells me to do. So I think step number one 
when it comes to reaching this goal of 300 people completing our serve process is this. We need to recapture a biblical identity. But there's a second step. The second step is we need to understand the importance of everyone's role in the body of Christ. Boy, we got to get this clear. Because not only do we live in a consumeristic culture, we live in a celebrity culture that likes to raise up people that get all the attention and all of the focus. And and it's even infiltrated the church. The church is clamoring for celebrities. But the Bible paints a very different picture. The Bible portrays the church as the body of Christ. And everyone who is a Christian has a role in the body. And every role is of utmost importance. We've got to understand the importance of everyone's role in the body of Christ. So let me just give you three thoughts about that. First of all, everyone is spiritually gifted. We just read it. Look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. or Actually, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the Bible says the Spirit has given every believer something with which to serve Him. The Bible calls that something a spiritual gift, a charismata, a spiritual gift. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. And every Christian is expected to use that giftedness in the body of Christ. You say, Pastor Wade, what's a spiritual gift? I'm going to unpack this down the road. But let me just give you a quick definition of a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are a special enablement and empowering given by the Holy Spirit graciously. We don't deserve it. And to all believers for the expansion of God's work. That's what a spiritual gift is. And if you are a believer in Jesus, if you've been born again, if you've been saved, the Bible says the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift. You got one. Like it or not, you got one. Everyone is spiritually gifted. Secondly, everyone has a vital role in the body of Christ. Fast forward down to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 12, the Bible says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized, placed into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, were all made to drink of one spirit. Now, I love that. Don't you, don't you love that regardless of background or ethnicity, you're all in the same body? Jesus did that. He took Jews and Greeks and brought them together. He, in the first century, he took slaves and free people and brought them together. And they were all in the body of Christ, all spiritually gifted, all with a role to play. Because keep reading. For the body does not consist of one member, verse 14, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Or let me ask this question, kind of just playing off of what Paul is saying here. If the whole body was full of preachers, what good is that going to do? 
It takes more than preachers to minister to folks. Amen? And hey, come here, let me tell you something. Preachers are weird. You don't want a whole body full of preachers. Who amen that? I'm... <laughs> so look at what it says in verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So who's calling the shots here? God is. He's putting them in the body with a certain role. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, I love this. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Those roles in the body of Christ that are out of sight, out of mind in many cases, the things that are happening in our church body that many of you don't even see or know is happening, Those roles are indispensable for us to be the light of Jesus Christ here in this community and around the world. We need everyone exercising their giftedness in the body of Christ because everyone has a vital role in the body of Christ. But there's a third thought here. We're in this together. We need, to, we need to take hold of that. We're in this together. Look what it says in verse 23. Well, actually, fast forward down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are, you are the body of Christ. First Baptist, you are the body of Christ. And individually, members of it. We're all in this together. We're serving, fulfilling the role that God has placed us in, and we're weeping together, and we're rejoicing together, and we're living life together, and we're we're living for the glory of Jesus together. Isn't that cool? That's how God has arranged it. Not some consumeristic thing just to get people's attention. I remember... When uh, I was pastoring in, in another area, and I went to a conference at a church, and uh, we were kind of, it was, a, it was a large church, and we were walking around the church and looking at their different facilities. We walked into the, the children's area, and th- th- the way they had it, it set up where they had slides, and the kids would come in and get registered for children's ministry, and they would get on the slides and slide into the area. You know what I thought? Man, we need some slides. That is so cool. Slides. I mean, wow. And and for long we're saying, well, you know what? If the church, you know, at the corner, if they have slides and we don't have slides, and people may go there to go to the slides and not come to our church, we don't have any slides. And and we find ourselves trying trying to fit in to a consumeristic mindset instead of saying, you know what? We're the body of Christ. We're in this together. God has gifted everyone and given them a role so that we can serve together and make a difference together for the glory of Christ. Understand the importance of everyone's role in the body of Christ, which leads to number three, participation in the process. What do I mean when I say we want to enlist 300 people in the serve process? Let me explain to you what the serve process 
process is. First of all, spiritual gift focus. Spiritual gift focus. We're going to take some time, I'll tell you when, in a little bit. But we're going to take some time in the future. And we're going to do some direct teaching from the pulpit in Bible studies. We're going to, we're going to take some time to really focus on what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts. We're going to use some tools, some really practical, simple tools to maybe help discern some areas in which we are gifted in or God has gifted us in. And and we're going to think about how that giftedness relates to some need in the life of the church or the community. And we're going to do some direct teaching on spiritual gifts. We want to ask you questions like this. How are you wired? What's your background? What makes your heart beat fast? What gets you excited? What are you passionate about? What keeps you awake at night? Because you're thinking about it. And then the question, how has God gifted you? And you may not come through that first phase of spiritual gift training knowing everything perfectly about what your spiritual gift is, but you have a greater inclination to place yourself in God's hand to say, God, show me, use me. A a spiritual gift focus. So that is coming. We'll do, some again, some intentional teaching on spiritual gifts to help you and equip you to begin to wrap your mind around your spiritual gift. I would say, I don't know this for sure, I haven't done any formal research, but I would probably guess maybe 70% of the people in this room would say, uh, I'm not real sure what my spiritual gift is. Maybe, maybe not that high, maybe a little less, I don't know. But I would say a large number in this room would say, not real clear on that. And so we're going to do a, a spiritual gift inventory to help you get clear on that. And if you're already clear on that, to even reinforce what God has shown you. So spiritual gift focus. Secondly, after the spiritual gift focus, we're going to have a ministry fair. Okay, We're going to have a, a time where we have different ministries in the life of our church set up. And, and we'll provide that time. We'll probably have donuts to make it pleasant for you, okay? Don't, there'll be donuts and coffee. Because if you have donuts and coffee, you can get Baptists to come to anything. And we'll have donuts and coffee. And we'll have people set up with booths. And we'll have them with information. And you'll be able to walk through those booths and, and get information. Actually talk to people that lead in different ministry areas. And figure out what they're doing. And, and figure out ways you might be able to get involved in that. And, and there'll be a ministry fair. It'll, it'll really have... Um, the purpose of maybe information for a lot of you to, to realize all that's going on in the body of Christ. I mean, there are things happening in our church uh, that are, you know, obvious needs, right? Our children's ministry is growing. Our preschool ministry is growing. Our student ministry is growing. It's going to take more and more godly, Jesus-loving Bible-focused adults to come along beside that and steward that and, and encourage uh, those our staff that are leading those areas and help them to, to fulfill their strategy for those different. So that's, that's pretty obvious, you know. But you come in here and you have, you have choir and orchestra and sound and lights and video, and those are areas that, that we need more people involved in. I and mean, that's kind of obvious. You see those. Or you go, to a, you go to a Bible study and you know that if we're going to reach 24 uh, Bible studies and double what we have. We're going to need more teachers and, 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 and people plugging in in different roles. And so those are kind of the more obvious needs. But there are a lot of things happening um, through the ministry of First Baptist that a lot of people aren't 
even aware of. I, I like to call them the best kept secrets, even though we're not trying to keep them secret. They're just things that are happening outside of the, the, you know, the, the Sunday morning uh, visible service time. For example, do you know that we're responsible for Saturdays for the cold weather shelter for the homeless? That when the temperature gets down below 40 degrees and the shelter is opened up, we have some, some really faithful ladies that go and they provide food at night and food for breakfast that next morning and are there to do ministry and meet folks and care for folks. And, and that happens here in our community. And we have, some, again, faithful people, but we, we could always use more in that ministry area. We have a Good News Bible Club. A team of volunteers that goes once a week into a local elementary school for an after-school program that people sign up for. And they are in the school sharing Jesus, teaching the Bible. Uh, right before uh, Christmas break, we had a, a, a young child give their life to Jesus. They were saved in this good news ministry. I was told recently by Miss Abigail, who's leading that effort, that we have now 40 kids registered. In that one good news club. And there's other opportunities to do more to good news clubs, by the way. But that's, that's a, there's going to be a need for more and more folks on the team to rotate in and, and be a part of that. Did you know we have on our campus on Thursday mornings a group of people that host any that come to help them, that come from different language backgrounds, to help them learn English better? We have people on our campus teaching English as a second language. Been doing it for decades here at First Baptist. A long, long time. And I'm not, I didn't get the numbers from this past week, but the week before, we had 75 people here learning English. And 10 kids that they brought with them. And so that's a real opportunity, Right? To really encourage people and teach them English and point them to Jesus and love on them. That ministry is growing and thinking through what that's going to look like in the future. But, but there are those kinds of things happening where we're going to just need more and more volunteers. People plugging in, serving, helping. You know, just a friendly face to meet people. We're going to need more and more and more of that. There's other things that are going on on our campus. and I don't want to leave people out, but, but I'm just giving those as kind of a, an example of some things that are happening that, that we need people to plug in and serve. And so we'll have a ministry fair. We're going to try to do our best to get the right people you know, out and have their table set up and share with you more about that ministry so you can learn about it. And then we're going to have an enlistment time. So you've, you've had some time thinking about your spiritual gifts. You've, uh, you've had some time learning about different ministries in the body of Christ, learning what's going on. And now comes a time where you say, well, I, you know, I want to I plug in here. I want to do this, or serve here, help here, or learn what's going on here. And we're going to have, we're, we're going to, uh, have a very simple enlistment process. Get you signed up, get, you, uh, get you, your name in there so, so our staff can follow up with you and make sure you know the, the details from there. But we want people actually signed up through this process, just serving. And by the way, can I say this? What I've discovered in my own life and what I've seen as a pastor through the years, 
The best way to discover your passions and your giftedness is just to start serving. Just start doing stuff. And God will maneuver you to where He wants you. And God will show you how He's wired you. If you just start doing stuff, just do something. And God will get you where you need to be enlistment. So, spiritual gift focus, ministry fair, enlistment. We have 300 people that have gone through that process. They've done the inventories. They've participated in the ministry fair. And they've enlisted. And we have 300 people that have, have reached that threshold. We'll say, that's pretty awesome. 300 folks, let's put a stone on the stage. Because that's a small army that, by the power of the Spirit is flat going to make a difference. It may be in a role that you see and it's very public. It may be like the little hairs down in your ear that keep you standing straight. Out of sight. But vital for the health of the body of Christ. We want to see 300 people go through this process. Now, we're going to roll this out in September. We're going to get our ducks in a row, and and get all of this ready. But in September is the date we're looking, or the month we're looking at, to begin to roll out this process and see if we can get 300 people to go through the process and get signed up, get enlisted to serve Jesus in the body of Christ. That is our goal. I think it's a worthy goal. It is a a goal, listen, that will change your life. If you're not currently serving somewhere, but you get plugged in, it will change your life. And ultimately, what we want, don't we? We don't want to be be Christianity consumers. We want to be bondservants of Jesus. That should be our primary Identity. Let me, let me close with this verse. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I've, I've already read it, but I want to read it one more time. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Just to, to finish this thought. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You know, the church in Corinth had made spiritual gifts about the individual. It became a prideful thing. I'm I'm gifted in this way and you're not. Don't you wish you had my giftedness? And Paul's saying, that's not what it's about. God has gifted you by the power of the Holy Spirit for others. For the common good. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.